Sermon 18 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The grace was given to me to manifest to all men what the communicating of the mystery is, which was hid from the beginning of all times in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the end that God's wisdom, which is diverse in all sorts, might be manifested to principalities and powers in heavenly places by the church, according to the determination of all times which he made in Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom we have assurance and access in trust through the faith which we have in him. Like as I said this morning, that all God's works in general deserve well to be reverenced at our hands, because God hath printed in them some marks of his infinite goodness, justice, power, and wisdom. So also there are some works more wonderful than the rest, and worthy to be advanced above the common rate, for so much as God oftentimes worketh after such a sort that men, even whether they will or no, are enforced to be abashed and astonished at them. Of this sort is the doctrine of the Bible. For all that ever is contained in the law and the gospel is a wisdom which it behoveth us to worship, because that without that we should never understand anything, insomuch that it is said that God will be the teacher of the little and humble ones. Yet notwithstanding some part of the things that are showed us in the scripture may well be understood even of the rudest and ignorantest sort. Again there are there higher or deeper matters, and those are they which St. Paul meaneth now by calling the preaching of the gospel a mystery or secret in comparison of all the rest. For, albeit that God had ever more determined in himself to call the whole world to salvation, yet he kept the execution of his purpose secret to himself till the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and when it was done, the newness of it seemed strange. That therefore is the thing that we have to consider when St. Paul saith that he was an apostle, to communicate the secret that had been hidden before in God. And by those words he doeth us to understand, that although to man's sight the publishing of the gospel was a new and unwanted thing, yet God did nothing upon the sudden, nor in haste, but only showed then by effect the thing that he had already determined, and purposed upon afore even from the creation of the world. Wherefore, when we look upon God's works, let us learn not to think he did the things at a braid, as men say, which were erst hid from us, but let us reserve his secret purpose to himself, and when we see the things come to pass, let us understand that it must needs have been so, because God had purposed upon it. And this serveth to humble us by all means, first to make us known the smallness of our capacity, that we may reverence the things which pass the reach of our wit, and secondly, we have also wherewith to hold us in suspense as concerning the execution of God's ordinance, for we cannot give sentence of things to come without fond rashness, and God will laugh us to scorn, according as we see how all such as take upon them to prophesy, at leastwise of their own head, and without God's calling of them to that office, bray their own shamelessness, and are worthy to be mocked of little children. You see then, that it becometh us to restrain our judgments in the things which our Lord hath not disclosed by effect, in the things which our Lord hath not disclosed by effect, and that when we see the things come to pass, we must understand that therein he doth not anything at adventure, but had ordained it so before, and after the same manner must we judge of the change that was seen at the time that our Lord Jesus was sent into the world. If it be demanded why God delayed it so long time, men advance themselves too much in such curiosity. 
if it be demanded why the heathen were then matched with the Jews and set in equal degree with them, seeing that God had cut them off from his church afore, we must also honour this secret ordinance whereof St. Paul speaketh here. And therewithal let us understand that God had so determined it afore, could we have that sobriety with us, we should learn to profit ourselves much better by God's works than do these heathenish folk which bark at them, though they cannot bite them. And nowadays we see that many are stirred up with devilish rage to murmur against all God's doings, because they conceive not the reason of his purpose, insomuch that thereupon they spew out their horrible blasphemies, as who should say, it were not free for God to reserve anything to himself, but must call men to counsel and make himself their underling. Seeing then that a number do so far overshoot themselves through that villainous pride, to thrust God as it were under their feet, it standeth us the more on hand to put this doctrine in your, that we may reverence God's secret ordinance, and therewithal receive the things that are uttered unto us, without gainsaying, as good and rightful, and done with such wisdom as it is not to be found fault with. And now St. Paul thinks it not enough to say that God had his secret purpose hidden in himself, but also saith that his will was that this wisdom, which is diverse in many sorts, should be known. This title deserveth to be well marked, where he saith that God's wisdom is, as he would say, of diverse sorts, not that God is variable and changeable in himself, nor that there is any snarling or entangling in his devices. There is no such thing at all in God, neither can there be, but St. Paul's speaking after that manner is in respect of our understanding. Therefore, if we would comprehend God's wisdom, we should be confounded and dazzled at it, because it is infinite, and besides that it hath things in it which are able to amaze all our senses, yea, and to swallow them quite up, so as we should never discern anything certainly, to say, Lo, this is it. But this had need to be laid out more at length, that we may understand it, and fare the better by it. Now and then we see some looking-glass wherein we think to behold a hundred, yea, or rather an infinite number of images before us, and when we see them we be at our wit's end. After the same manner hath St. Paul spoken here of God's wisdom, namely as giving us warning of the weakness and rudeness that is in our understanding, to the intent we should not be too inquisitive in searching the things that pass our capacity, and the matters that God hath purposed in himself. Then, if we will needs so stye up higher than is lawful for us, and thrust ourselves forward with foolish presumption, to be privy of God's counsel, and to inquire particularly what he hath determined, our wits must needs fail us ere we come halfway there, and we shall find so many things there, that we must of necessity quail of ourselves, and be driven to confess that it is not for us to reach the bottom of so great and deep a gulf. Therefore, if a man demand here, how then can we confess God to be righteous, wise, and almighty, since we be so daunted at his works? For it is said that it is the wisdom of men to search out God's works, and to set their minds wholly upon them. And he hath also ordained the world to be as a stage whereon to behold his goodness, righteousness, power, and wisdom. And therefore, there seemeth to be some contrariety between these two, that we should be diligent and heedful in considering God's works, and yet notwithstanding that our wits are dazzled at the thinking upon them. The answer thereto is very easy, that is, that if we desire soberly to know but the things which God vouchsafeth to reveal unto us, and which are for our profit, we shall have understanding enough, and we shall well perceive that he envieth not the teaching of us by his works, that we might come unto him and put our whole trust in him, to know how to call upon him, to discern between good and bad, and to walk according to his will. 
then if we give not heed to our foolish and inordinate lusts, but hearken like good scholars to the things which our master vouchsafeth to declare unto us, we shall in God's works understand all things that are for the furtherance of our welfare. And that is the cause why it is said in the book of Job that we shall have done very much if we can aspire but the utmost borders of God's works. Then may we taste of God's wisdom, righteousness, power and goodness by considering alone the lifts or uttermost bounds of God's works. But if we will needs fall to gauging of them to the bottom, there we shall find the foresaid gulf which is able to swallow up all our understanding. To be short, first it is to be understood here that as well God's word as his works are unto us wonderful secrets, and such as pass all our wit and capacity, insomuch that if we have an eye to his works, there are yet further miracles in them to daunt us withal than the things that we see every day and which are in common use among us. Likewise in the Holy Scripture there are somewhat secret points and which are not very easy to be understood. Know we that once we have first of all to humble ourselves and to pray God to enlighten us by his Holy Spirit, that we may profit ourselves by all his works and words. And moreover, let us learn the things that he showeth us, and be contented with the measure that he appointeth us, without coveting to know any more than that which we may learn in his school. Thus you see what we have to bear in mind. Furthermore, when we once have such mildness, surely the Lord will give us a sure resting point, and although his privities be incomprehensible, and the doctrine of the law and the gospel be secrets above the, the reach of the world, yet shall we be taught by them to our welfare and salvation, and so there is no mingling, no confusedness, no entangling for us, because God will guide us by his Holy Ghost, and give us wisdom and discretion to know whatsoever he seeth to be for our behoof. Mark that for one point. But if we be unteachable or unruly, and will needs play the loose colts to search further than we have leave, surely God's wisdom will be always variable unto us, that is to say, there will be such diversity of things, and so many stops in it, as will make us at our wit's end, and we shall abide as utterly confounded. Yea, and even the faithful shall well perceive the thing that St. Paul saith here, that they may ever be put in mind to walk in awe and fear, and not give themselves the bridle too much, nor take too much leave to know more than our Lord will have them to know. Now then, the doubt which might have been cast, namely how God will have us to be abashed at his works, is removed, and yet will he not have us to be abashed at them, and so we suffer ourselves to be taught by him. Thereupon we may gather also that it is a devilish stateliness when these ruffians take so highly upon them as to reject whatsoever they cannot conceive the reason of, if a man tell them that God disposeth all things by his secret ordinance, and that the things which we term fortune, chance, hazard, casualty, hap, adventure, and such like, are all determined before the making of the world, insomuch that even the hairs of our heads are numbered, and one little bird shall not light upon the ground without God's providence, they step forth and object, How can that be? And whereas God telleth us in his law that he will have this and that done, shall we say that he hath more wills than one? then should he be unconstant and that were to make god changeable and so should he seem subject to all manner of lightness like a mortal creature but as i said afore such men do ill know their own ability for they imagine that if god bind not himself in all points to the things which he hath revealed to us by his word he is contrary to himself and hath a double will and that moveth them always to gabble after that fashion but to be short, God's will is always one and single and agreeable in itself, howbeit that to our seeming it be diverse and have many kinds of it, as if we saw a hundred sundry shapes which dazzled our eyesight, or utterly dimmed it. 
Whereas St. Paul saith that God's wisdom is diverse in many sorts, it is as if a picture had a thousand colours in it, so as a man could not distinctly discern one from another. Nevertheless, St. Paul, in saying so, meant not that God's wisdom is so writhed in itself that there is any contrariety or strife therein. No, but he showeth that, although God have always one even meaning, and keep on still in one trace and in one rate, although there be no change nor variableness in him, and although there be but one light wherein there is no dimness at all, yet notwithstanding, when men will needs praise unto him, their wits are always, as it were, astray and dazzled, and if they go forward and step forth still with too great boldness, they must needs be confounded in the end, and God must utterly overwhelm them. After that manner, therefore, must we take the things that are spoken in the Holy Scripture concerning God's providence. True it is that we have our lesson, where God telleth us that he will not have any man to trouble his neighbour, nor to commit robbery, extortion, covetousness, deceit, or any manner of naughtiness. He telleth us those things, and therewithal commandeth us to live chastely, and to abstain from all violence. Now when wars are moved in the world, when blood is shed, when infinite ravishments and robberies are committed, shall we say that such things are done without God's forecasting in his mind what was good? Think we that he suffereth fortune to rule the roost here beneath, as though he himself were asleep in heaven, or reposed himself there in his pleasures? What a blasphemy were that! We would make God as an idol. Again, what would become of us if it were so? For Satan is as a roaring lion, seeking to devour us as his prey, and we should be continually, as it were, in his paws and between his teeth. Then, if God ordered not all things in this world, nor held Satan and all the wicked bridled, surely we should be a hundred times forlorn and perish every minute of an hour. Again, if we knew not that wars and such other like things are God's judgments, whereby he chastiseth our sins, it is certain that we would never be drawn to repentance. Now then, let us learn the thing that is told us here, I mean, according to our small ability, that is to wit, that God hath but one will, and that the same is certain and thoroughly agreeing with itself, and hath no lightness nor inconstancy in it, and yet nevertheless, that we must therewithal reverence his secret determinations, which are as now so high and profound as we cannot reach unto them. And if we cannot resolve ourselves of all the doubts which the devil will cast in our ways, making us to think, how is it possible that God should be clear from sin, and not be the author of evil, seeing he serveth his turn both by Satan and by all the wicked, and employeth them to advance themselves one against another? How is it possible that he should be blameless? When any of these fancies come in our heads, or if any of those dogs which bark out their blasphemies in that wise against God assault us, let us be armed with soberness, knowing how it is said here that God's wisdom is diverse in many sorts, and that although his will also be diverse in many respects, yet notwithstanding it is always one still. That is, in effect, the thing that we have to bear in mind upon this strain. Now thereupon St. Paul applieth the ground which he handleth, unto the matter which he hath spoken here in general, that is to wit, that God created all things by our Lord Jesus Christ, to the end that this wisdom should be known to the powers and principalities in the heavenly places by the church. In saying that God created all things by Jesus Christ, he bringeth us back again to the beginning of the world, where he speaketh of the renewment that was made when God repaired the things that were decayed and scattered by Adam's sin, according as we have seen heretofore how it was Christ's office to gather together all things that were scattered afore. For Adam had perverted and marred all order by his fall, so as there was nothing but confusion both in heaven and earth, till all was mended again by Jesus Christ. 
Now then, the restitution that was made by our Lord Jesus Christ may well be referred to this second creation, as though that at his coming God had set the world in his former state again, which had been, as it were, crazed afore. Howsoever the case stand, both twain of them were done by Jesus Christ, that is to wit, as well the first creation as the second. And the conveyance is not amiss, in that St. Paul leadeth us from the one to the other, by the similitude which he setteth down here. Let us mark well, therefore, that all things were created in Jesus Christ, when he was ordained to be head of angels and men, yea, and that although we had had no need of a Redeemer, yet had our Lord Jesus Christ nevertheless been established for our head, there remained no more to do but to clothe himself with our nature, and to offer himself in sacrifice for the redemption of sinners. But yet for all that he failed not to bear the office already of reconciling men unto God, and of joining them with the angels of heaven. After that manner, then, were all things created in our Lord Jesus Christ. But here St. Paul meant purposely to lead us to the restorement, which was made at such time as Jesus Christ was given us to be our Redeemer. For although the world ceased not to have some shape still, so as the sun and moon shone bright, and the earth brought forth her fruits, yet notwithstanding we know that, as St. Paul saith in the eighth to the Romans, all creatures groan, and are as a woman travailing of child, because they see themselves subject to corruption through Adam's offence, for the which he was accursed. To be short, whereas God had showed himself our enemy, he became our father, and whereas the things that were created to our use had been turned away by Adam's sin, all was restored again at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, by that means, he gathered all things together again, that had been scattered asunder before, and then was the world after a sort changed, as the prophets had spoken of it afore. For, although they meant not to enclose the said renewment within any certain time, yet notwithstanding, when they preached of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of the grace that should be given to the church at that time, they used such speech as this, Behold, I make the heavens new, and the earth new. After that manner doth God speak by the prophet Isaiah, and it is not only once, but it is, as you would say, a common speech among the prophets. Now then, St. Paul, following the common phrase of the Scripture, saith that all things were created new again in Jesus Christ, howbeit that is in respect of the church. The world itself was not renewed, but as in respect of us, we be partakers already of the restorement that is promised us. For by our Lord Jesus Christ we enjoy God's creatures, whereof we were deprived before. Whereas the sun and moon shine upon us, and we be nourished by the sustenance of the earth, we know that those things belong unto us, because we be God's children. And how is that? Even because he hath adopted us in Jesus Christ. For the matter which we have sung in the psalm concerning man must be applied to the person of God's Son, as saith St. Paul himself, who is a faithful expounder. Not that he restraineth it to him alone, but forasmuch as the things which he speaketh concerning the uncorruptness of mankind is not to be found in it now, but all is marred and corrupted. Therefore we must be fain to repair to our head, by whom we be set in good plight again. So then, we could not be blessed of God, neither in our meat, nor in our drink, nor in the enjoying of any of his creatures, were it not for the restorement that is made by our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he hath caused the world to be given us henceforth in heritage, to the end we might, with a good and clear conscience, enjoy all the gifts which he hath bestowed upon us. And so you see that the creating of all things in Jesus Christ is God's reforming of his church, and our partaking of the purchased heritage for his sake and by his means." Now having said that we be so created again in the person of God's Son, and that he is our head, 
inasmuch as we be knit unto him by faith, he addeth that it is a wisdom which the very angels have not known, insomuch that they fare the better by our salvation, and have cause to honour God for preferring them so to the thing that was after a sort buried from them before. Some thinking this to be strange stuff, have been of opinion that St. Paul spake of the devils, but he speaketh expressly of the heavenly places, and meaneth to put a difference betwixt the chosen angels and the castaways. And again, to what purpose were it for the devils to know God's wisdom in our salvation? It were to no purpose at all. There are others which, being not able to rid themselves of this text of St. Paul's, have thought that the angels are here among us, to be as scholars and to hear the preaching of God's word. But that is too fond and childish an imagination, for we know that as well the doctrine as the use of the sacraments are allotted peculiarly unto us of God because of our rawness. The angels of heaven have nothing to do neither with baptism nor with the Lord's Supper. And why? For the angels be altogether spiritual, but forasmuch as we creep here beneath, therefore we have need of such means as are convenient for our infirmity, to make us come by little and little unto God. Therefore the doctrine that is preached among us serveth not for the instruction of the angels. How then should it be understood that the angels were taught by the things which they see presently in the church? Let us mark, first of all, that although the angels behold the face of God, yet is it not meant that they be come to the perfection which is promised us, for that is reserved to the latter day, when all things shall be fulfilled. The angels, then, know not things yet but in part. True it is, that they must not be mustered in our state and taking, for, like as they be nearer God than we, so be they taught more familiarly. But howsoever they fare, yet must they be fain to hide their eyes, as is showed in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, in the vision that is given him there. Albeit then that the angels be heavenly spirits, and be familiarly conversant with God, as household servants of his kingdom, yet have they their eyes covered, to show that they understand not all things as yet, and that their knowing is but in part. For God must show them that they be but creatures, that they might thereby be held in continual awe to humble themselves before him and to keep themselves in their degree. According hereunto it is said that the angels of heaven know not when the last day shall be that is hid from them. And why? To the intent that men should humble themselves the more and not be ashamed to be ignorant of the things which God hath not revealed unto us. To the end, therefore, that it may not grieve us that God concealeth many things from us. The very angels are set afore us as not knowing all things as yet. Then is it not without cause said that they knew not what should befall and come to pass at the coming of the Son of God, that is to wit, that all people without exception should be called to the truth of the gospel and be all adopted of God to be made the spiritual children of Abraham. True it is that the angels knew well that Jesus Christ was the head of all mankind, but how that should be done or at what time or by what means that was hidden from them. That is the manner wherein St. Paul saith that they profited, namely by beholding our Lord Jesus Christ, to shed forth his grace in that wise. For it was not enough to say that men should wonder at such a miracle as that God should take those into his house that were strayed away before, and ally himself with those that were erst his mortal enemies, and allure them to him whom he before abhorred. If it had been said that men ought to be astonished at it, that had not been enough. But when, as St. Paul saith, that even the angels find it strange, and are fain to marvel at it, seeing how God uttereth so great treasures, it serveth well to show us that whensoever there is any speech of our calling, that is to say, of the mercy that God hath showed us in forgetting what we were, and in fashioning us anew after his own image, insomuch that whereas we were lost and forlorn, yea, and utterly drowned in the bottom of hell by Adam, 
he hath set us up again, and taken us up to the kingdom of heaven, and is not contented to show us his bounteousness in this world only, but also intendeth to make us partakers of his endless glory, and to give us the crown of life in his kingdom. It is a thing for us to learn to wonder at, to the end we may receive so great, so high, so excellent, and so worthy benefits, with such reverence as they deserve. And St. Paul not only here, but also in other places, calleth the angels principalities to show us that we cannot devise anything so high and noble, which is not inferior to Jesus Christ, as is declared more fully in the first to the Colossians. For inasmuch as many men did even at that time magnify the angels to deface the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ, St. Paul showeth that although the angels be as it were God's powers or virtues, and his arms wherewith he executeth his works, and although they be dominions and powers, yet notwithstanding Jesus Christ ceaseth not to have all preeminence and authority over them, but like as the sun darkeneth the light of the stars, so must all the dignity of the angels be laid down, that it hinder not Jesus Christ to be looked at of all men, and to be the only lodestar, and to be known that it is only he in whom lieth the fullness of all good things, and so is he indeed, as is said in the same text. And it is a point well worthy to be marked still, for we see how it is enough nowadays among the papists to allege the virtues of the apostles, or of the Virgin Mary, or of the saints, to make idols of them. It seemeth to them, on the contrary part also, that if men do not worship them, and pray unto them, and yield them the service which belongeth alone unto God, they be utterly undone. For thus do they allege, How now? Why should not the Virgin Mary be our advocate, seeing she lived so holy a life, that she was as a mirror of all perfection, and so highly in God's favour? Verily, as who should say that the excellency which God hath put into all his creatures should serve to bereave Jesus Christ in such wise that he should be put back therefore. So then, let us understand that whatsoever can be said or preached of the virtues and worthiness of the Virgin Mary, of the apostles, and of all other men, yea, and of the angels of heaven, serveth not to diminish the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ, nor to turn us away from him, nor to cause his officers to be dealt away to this man and to that man. Whereto then? To do us to wit that virtues are so distributed to all God's children, as there is none other fountain of all goodness but Jesus Christ, who is the only party to whom we must resort, and that the creatures are never the more impaired, though Jesus Christ overpeer them as their head. That then is in effect the thing which we have to mark upon St. Paul's words, where he taunteth such as would needs exalt the angels without end or ceasing. For he saith, Very well, I grant they be powers, virtues, and principalities, but yet is our Lord Jesus Christ still their head, and they be so grounded upon him that they fare the better by our salvation. Now then, what an ungraciousness were it, if we should leave Jesus Christ and go seek to the angels, seeing that even they do wonder at the riches which God hath uttered in knitting us into the body of his Son, and consequently in calling us to him to be his own children by that means." Thus ye see how the wandering of the angels at our salvation ought to frame us the better to our Lord Jesus Christ, and make us to stick fast unto him without swerving from him any manner of way. And for that cause is it added in the end that by him we have boldness and entrance into hope through the belief which is in him. Here St. Paul meant shortly to blame the unthankfulness of such as are not contented with the having of Jesus Christ, but think that he should have some helps added to him. Therefore he saith, What desire we more than to be knit unto God? Is not our full happiness there? Now it is so that by believing in Jesus Christ we have confidence that we may praise unto God 
the access is given us. And whereas trust or confidence is not enough, we have also boldness to come unto him with our heads upright, not as presuming any wit of ourselves, nor yet to come thither recklessly, but we must always practice this saying of the psalm, that although we rest upon God's goodness, yet must we evermore worship him with fear. Notwithstanding, we may always come boldly unto God's throne, assuring ourselves that his majesty shall no more be terrible to us, seeing he showeth himself a father towards us in the person of his only Son. We see then how St. Paul's meaning is to hold us fast to Jesus Christ, and therein we see also what our frowardness is, for it is certain that the care and zeal which St. Paul had to make us cleave fast to the Son of God came of the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, who knew our frailty and unsteadfastness. Had we, as you would say, but one drop of settled wit, it were enough to do us to understand that by the gospel we may possess God's Son, who giveth himself unto us, and that having him we have all that ever we can wish. It were enough to have spoken this in one word, as St. Paul hath showed already, but we see how he doubleth and confirmeth his saying, as though it were a hard thing to be believed. And of a truth it is very hard, because we be too much given to distrust and unbelief. Again, to believe for one day is not all that we have to do. It is required that we should hold on still, which is a very rare thing to be found in this world, because we be always fisking, by means whereof men do, as it were, willfully bereave themselves of the thing that was given them. Furthermore, forasmuch as all the world is at the point, and we cannot be won or persuaded but with great pain to come to our Lord Jesus Christ and to rest upon him, let us use the remedy that St. Paul setteth us down here. And first of all we must mark well that Jesus Christ is the door to open heaven unto us, for we know that at his death the veil of the temple was rent asunder, and that in such wise that we may now enter familiarly into the sanctuary of God, not of such a material temple as was then, but even of heaven, so as we may press into the presence of God and resort unto him for refuge, as if a child should cast himself into the lap of his father or mother. For it is certain that God surmounteth all the fathers and mothers of the world in all kindness and favour. Seeing then that we know that, what covet we more? Would we have some better or excellenter thing than God? Then must we go seek it in the bottom of hell, for when we have made our vagaries as much as we list, we shall always find that there is nothing in any of all the creatures, either above or beneath, that is worth a straw in comparison of God, as saith the prophet Isaiah. So then, seeing that God hath given himself unto us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that the whole fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in that great sanctuary, which was figured in the visible sanctuary of the law, ought we not to be fully satisfied when we have that, and to rest ourselves wholly thereupon? And although our wits and our affections be fickle, yet ought they to be held in awe as prisoners, so as we may say, Let us cleave, let us cleave, let us cleave to our God, according to this saying of David, Behold, all my felicity and all my joy is to be joined to my God. Likewise he saith in another place, He is the wellspring of life and light. Again, we have sung this morning, He is my portion, I cannot have a better lot. I must needs take all my delight in him. Thus ye see what we have to remember in the first place. Secondly, let us mark well the degrees that St. Paul setteth down here, whereof the first is that we must have faith. For although Jesus Christ have opened the way and passage by his blood to make us entrance into God his Father, yet is not the gap opened for all men, for the unbelievers cannot enjoy that benefit whereof he is the key. True it is that the door is near hand, and the opening thereof is easy when we have the key, that is to say, if we receive the gospel in true obedience of faith. 
And so ye see why St. Paul telleth us that it is not enough for us that Jesus Christ hath laid forth the treasures of the infinite goodness and mercy of God his Father, but that it standeth us on hand on our side to receive the same by faith. Not that we dare do it of our own power, nor yet that we can come unto Jesus Christ or be partakers of the benefits which he offereth us by the gospel, except we have faith in him. And from belief we must proceed to trust, that is to say, we must be fully persuaded that God will always receive us, and that we shall find favour at his hand, and that although we be wretched sinners and unworthy to live upon the earth, yet nevertheless we shall find him still favourable to us when we come to heaven. Lo, how faith is linked with trust! and thereof springeth this stoutness of mind or boldness, which is, as it were, the highest step, so that, although we must needs be, as it were, dismayed when we consider what we be of ourselves, yet we cease not to offer ourselves unto God with our heads upright. And why so? Because he looketh upon us in the person of his only Son, and therefore it is said that he is his well-beloved, albeit not for himself only, but also for our sakes that are members of his body. Ye see then how we have to gather upon this text that by receiving the doctrine of the gospel with true obedience of faith, we possess our Lord Jesus Christ, and by his means shall be led unto God his Father, to come to the perfection of life, light, and all goodness. And by the way we be warned to go forward in faith, till we be thoroughly persuaded that in fighting against all the temptations that can assail us, we shall get the upper hand by the means of faith. And finally, that we may brag, especially as St. Paul doth in the eighth to the Romans, both against life and against death and against all powers, both above and beneath, and despise all distresses, knowing full well that nothing is able to disappoint us in the love that Jesus Christ hath showed us, and which God his Father also hath uttered towards us in his person. And thereupon also doth it come that our prayers must be grounded upon full certainty, for, as saith St. James, he that thinketh to obtain anything by doubting deceiveth himself, Therefore we must assure ourselves by the promises of the gospel that God is ready to receive us to mercy whensoever we come unto him. And thereby we perceive that St. Paul said not for naught that if we have faith we must not seek anything more than Jesus Christ, but he must be all our treasure because that in him we have all things that are requisite to our joy and contentation. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our sins, praying him to make us so to feel them, as we may mislike them more and more, and yet notwithstanding not cease to be glad, in that he hath showed himself so pitiful towards us, in the person of his only Son, that he hath vouchsafed to draw us out of the gulf of hell, to give us entrance into his kingdom, and also to grant us the grace to come thereunto with true faith, and to withdraw ourselves from all worldly enticements, which serve to turn us away from him, so as we may forsake all vainglory, and, forasmuch as we be void of all goodness in ourselves, seek all our wants in him, which is the true fountain of all goodness, that can never be drawn dry. That it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 18